Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Have you ever found money? And I mean that literally. Like, have you ever, like, just stumbled across some money that you didn't know you had? Uh, I'm kind of a weird confluence of people in that I don't have a lot of money, but I'm incredibly disorganized. So frequently I find money that I didn't know that I had. And I don't ton, usually have a ton of cash. A lot of folks in 2021 don't. But when I do have cash, I almost always leave it laying around or leave it in the pocket of a pair of shorts. And so like, you know, and sometimes, by the way, it's a pair of shorts that you might put up for the whole like fall and winter. And then you go back and get it in the springtime. And lo and behold, there's five dollars. Like, is that not the greatest feeling in the world to, to just feel a little bit of cash in your pocket that you didn't know you had? Now, eventually, I'll probably lose it again before I spend it. But the point is to find some money um, is always a really good feeling, even though technically, if you really think about this and I hate to ruin this for you. But if you really think about it, you don't have more money than you used to have. You just have sort of rediscovered some money that you didn't know you had. But either way, the the feeling of finding money is just one of the best things I think you can ever experience. One of those kind of low-level joys that life sometimes provides. And there's an obvious connection here to what happened with Georgia football uh, yesterday. Because a lot of you know, especially if you've been longtime viewers of this program or a longtime listener to this program, like I'm as big a George Pickens fan as possibly anybody could be. I believe they call them stands now in 2021. Uh, I don't. That's not really my vernacular necessarily, but I believe if you wanted to call me a George Pickens stan I, I believe I would very much fit the bill on all of that I'm just incredibly entertained by him um you know a lot of you kind of jokingly say I willed his presence at UGA to existence back when he was a recruit and for a while it didn't seem like there was much of a connection there then lo and behold Georgia kind of flipped him late against Auburn that was always a really fun thing I have just always had just a lot of enjoyment around the idea of George Pickens in a Georgia football uniform, I would arguably arguably say that he may be the most entertaining Georgia player of my lifetime. Now, entertaining is not the same thing as best, and he's not the only one that puts like dazzling highlights together, but I can't think of someone who just does something interesting. <laughs> A lot of times it's the right thing, and sometimes, eh, you know, maybe it's whatever else. But, I mean, Pickens doesn't go five minutes without doing something really interesting when he's wearing a Georgia uniform, and so, therefore, I I can't get enough of that. But there's been kind of a weird thing going on since the injury that he suffered back in March to start Georgia spring practice. I guess there was kind of an emotional hedge on my part, or it really does become one of those things where you have to kind of focus on the guys who are most likely to be playing. But I really haven't been thinking much about George Pickens. I mean, in my own personal life, right? You know, like the way I kind of think about Georgia football as someone who follows the team. In my own thoughts, in my own conversations, off the air with other Georgia fans, I haven't been thinking much about Pickens. I haven't been saying much about Pickens. I, I can't really remember the last time George came up as a topic on this show. It's not because I turned my back on him or liked him any less or anything like that, but he was hurt and hurt pretty bad. And, you know, given the timeline of all of this, you're kind of left to wonder if um, if he was ever likely to come back to Georgia football, if that was really going to happen. And so it just seemed more relevant to think and talk about other people. And then lo and behold, you probably saw the stuff on social media yesterday, including our own Mike Griffith, who was on hand for Georgia's practice. George Pickens was seen 
running. He was seen working on some drills and doing some passing routes uh, during some drills there. That doesn't mean he's playing this Saturday against Vanderbilt. But boy, it, it, it also, to use intentionally a double negative here, it also doesn't mean nothing either. It, it's the kind of thing that starts to feel a, a little bit interesting. And when you go back and think about some of the things that Kirby Smart has said on the topic of Pickens in the past, all of a sudden you're left to say, wait, maybe Kirby actually meant some of this stuff. Because in the immediate aftermath of the Pickens injury, Kirby Smart struck a pretty hopeful tone. And at the time, I guess I was tempted to disregard it because I've just kind of grown pretty cynical about injuries. I'm not proud of my own level of cynicism about stuff like that, but I have gotten pretty cynical about the whole injury situation for maybe a a lot of reasons. But all of a sudden, when you see Pickens out there doing what he's doing – Maybe Kirby meant it when he said it. So let's go back to March here for a moment. Smart on Pickens when he first got hurt. Take a listen to this. We had game, we played last year without George uh, for several games, and uh, I thought offensively we had a good plan, you know, for Florida and happened to lose another receiver in that game. Uh, we had our opportunities against Florida, and uh, he wasn't out there. So George will be dearly missed because he's talented. He works really hard. Um, you know, he, he, he makes our whole team better. And I know that's obvious in terms of what he does offensively, but he makes all the defensive backs better. So when you talk about challenging guys, there's no greater matchup for a young DB to go against than go against George. So that, that part uh, we don't control, but what we do control is how we respond to it. And uh, George knows injuries are part of the game. And we'll have other guys step up. And uh, I'm very hopeful that uh, George gets well and is able to come back. So Kirby Smart says two things in that clip. One thing is, we think we can be pretty good without him, and we think we might eventually get him back. Now, after three games, i got to tell you that the first part of that, we think we can be pretty good without him. I would say for the most part, that's coming true. Is Georgia the best offense we've seen in college football the last four years? Not yet. Are they the very best offense in college football right now? Probably not yet either. Are they better than they have been offensively? i got to tell you. I sort of feel like they are making some pretty good improvements. I, I, I liked what I saw against UAB. And for the most part, I like what I saw against South Carolina, even though the game wasn't perfect, and even though there was some weirdness with the quarterback, more on that later, even though there was you know some of that kind of stuff. For the most part, I'm actually pretty happy with what I'm seeing from the Georgia offense without five-star galore. Pickens, Darnell Washington, even a guy, you know, highly rated recruit like Tate Ratledge missing off the offensive line. There's some big name guys not playing for Georgia right now. And offensively, I'm more happy than not. Offensively, I'm more pleased than not. So when Smart says in the absence of George Pickens, hey, our job is to still go out there and be good offensively with the guys we have, for the most part, I would say that's kind of working out okay thus far. And when Kirby Smart says, and we think there is also a chance we may get him back. And I told you before, like I hear something like that and you know obviously I'm like yeah I hope that's true too but there's also the part of me that's like it's an ACL for a guy that you know may be going to the NFL I just don't know and as I said before I'm not proud of the level of cynicism that I've gotten when it comes to some of this injury stuff but boy oh boy there has been a lot of it and you know I think we've all had more of that we can kind of take sometimes and so there was that but all of a sudden when 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 you do see Pickens now doing a drill at practice and and doing some of that kind of stuff when Smart said we think we can get him back all of a sudden now you are forced to consider that at face value maybe just a little bit more and so for what it's worth 
at that same press conference way back at the beginning of spring practice when Pickens did get injured Smart went into even more detail about why it was that he was hopeful in his belief that Pickens might still return even though obviously a a knee injury can be a pretty serious thing Smart was good enough to give us more detail back on that at the time yeah obviously I think there's a chance he's back at 21 I mean we've we've had kids that have uh, ACL injuries um I liken it to uh, Divide was an interesting case. I think Divide got his uh, – when he first got here, he was the third day of swing practice. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't know our defense, but he was going to help us. And um, he came back. I think he's cleared to go somewhere around Florida week. But the issue with Divide is he didn't know the defense. You know, the difference with George is, you know, he knows most of the offense and he's played longer, so he's a little older. But, uh, you know, all that's going to be dictated by Ryan. We're not concerned with that right now. What we're concerned with – a great surgery and a great rehab. He's got a long career ahead of him talking about George. So that's going to be a situation where the doctors make that medical decision. I can assure you of this, nobody in the country has had as many ACLs that they've had to work with. I'm not talking about because we have a lot of them. I'm talking about because Ron Corson has been here since I was here. That's a long time. So he has seen a lot of ACLs. So I think, that's obviously a pretty compelling thing from smart now listen i I totally agree with what he says there at the end of that which is hey no one's going to rush george pickens back no one's going to push him out there on the football field this is going to be led by ron corson and his expert and excellent medical staff this is not going to be one of those things where you know georgia sacrifices pickens future in order to get him to play a few games here in 2021 i think we all kind of know that but once again you know, the hopeful language that Smart used back then seems way more relevant now that Pickens was seen at practice yesterday. And let me go back in time for something else here for a moment, because when the Pickens injury first happened, we brought it on a guy. It was We actually brought him on to SEC Country Live, and uh, we actually played some of this on Dog Nation Daily uh, presented by ESOG at the time. But we talked to Jason Swain. Jason was a former uh, Tennessee wide receiver, a guy that you know talks about the SEC for a living. And I was asking him, as a former receiver, you know what his feelings were about George Pickens suffering the injury that he suffered. And you've probably forgotten about this because it's been a long time ago. But what Swain said about Pickens is really, really interesting. So think about this for a moment: that you've got this guy, unbelievable talent. He gets hurt. He's working his way back to health, maybe, so that he can play this here this year. But what Jason Swain told us at the time was, is that not only will he be physically able to play at some point, but the time that he spends off the field for a guy that's already a great athlete, that by the time he gets back on the field, now let your mind wander about this for a moment. Let your imagination take over for a moment. What Jason Swain, former SEC wide receiver, said on SEC Country Live back in the spring when the Pickens injury first happened is, is that if he does come back this year, the version you get of Pickens from a mental standpoint, from a from an understanding the game standpoint, might actually be superior to any version of him we've ever seen before in a Georgia uniform. So if Pickens does come back, think about how good he might be according to this former Georgia wide uh, former SEC wide receiver jason swain pickens is one of my favorite receivers in the country to watch how he played the game he was a, a man amongst boys and, you know he had the attitude and uh, i guess the the skill set that was very very fun to watch when you hurt you get a chance to kind of see the game from a different angle now maybe he can maybe develop into a leader you know give some of the younger receivers some advice when you get hurt man you just kind of see the game differently and i know he'll be able to do that sitting back and kind of watching tape and and seeing things from a kind of a 50,000-foot perspective, 
uh, versus being up close and personal when he was playing. So I can't tell you if or when Pickens is truly going to come back, but I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited about the idea of what Swain says there, coupled with what reporters saw at practice, the idea of a healthy Pickens who now, to use the words that Jason Swain used, sees the game from a different angle, realizes what's happening around his position because he's been forced to stand there and watch it all. Y'all, that's pretty fun to consider. and I, I just think that is a blast to let your mind really work through all the possibilities that might unfold because of that. So let me say this. A lot of you have connected the same dots that I have when it comes to this. Nothing around Georgia football seems to happen by accident. Yesterday was the first day the reporters have gotten a chance to see practicing going on about two years, right? Because, you know, you had obviously pandemic and then, you know, even some stuff before that. It had been a long time since Georgia reporters that had had a chance to see practice. Now, I'm not really on the beat core. Like, I'm not in Athens every single day. I live in the studio for the most part. So this is less relevant for me. But for the people who are like grinding it, our buddy Connor Riley is there most of the time. Our buddy Mike Griffith is uh, there. For the people like that, this is a big deal to them to get a chance to see practice. And when the moment they're like brought out there within a couple of seconds, there's all the tweet storms going on of, oh, George Pickens is here. George Pickens is running routes. You're left to conclude, oh, this is probably intentional, right? I mean, like this was probably a part of some grand master plan to bring back the reporters just in time to lo and behold, see George Pickens doing what he's doing. And it reminds me of something that happened for Pickens when he first kind of arrived on campus, because, you know, George in the summertime in in a traditional calendar in August are doing those scrimmages on the Saturdays leading up to the start of the season. And for the most part, these happen behind closed doors. There is a scrimmage that a lot of boosters and donors get a chance to go to, but they are given the riot act before the the scrimmage begins about not pictures, not tweets, not, you know, social media messages. Sometimes that, that, sometimes there's compliance more so than others, but there's a lot, at least my understanding is, there is a lot of messaging that goes out about, hey, no pictures, no video. We don't want anything from this scrimmage to be out there in the world. We don't want anybody to see what's going on. But a lot of you remember in August of 2019, when Pickens was just beginning his George career, there was magically this little video that made its way on the internet. I think we have the old copy of this to show you. Uh, Parrish Walton was the one that I think shared this on Twitter, but he's not the one that recorded the video. Um, it's Pickens making one of the most dazzling one-handed catches you'll ever see, and I don't mean that. Um, I, I don't mean that in, in any way um, hyperbole. It really is that good. And I've always kind of had the conspiracy theory that this was this was Georgia leaking this intentionally. There's a lot of things about the way that video is presented that make me think the video actually came from Georgia for reasons I won't bore you with right now. But the point is, it's like, hey, when there's something worth telling folks about, we need to make sure it kind of leaks out. Pickens makes a dazzling catch in 2019. An example of that. Pickens back at practice after an injury. It's an example of that there as well. So let me wrap up by saying this. Some of the folks on the comment section of video are like, okay, so if Georgia did this intentionally, if they brought the reporters back to see this, if they wanted folks to report that Pickens was there, what was the reason that Georgia did this for? Is it to flood the zone for future opponents, getting them thinking about George Pickens? Could possibly be. And there's a very good chance that's what this is all about. However, I'm left to draw maybe a slightly different conclusion. Remember what I told you at the very beginning of the show? Biggest George Pickens fan in the world, possibly me talked about George Pickens not that much at all I'm not saying Georgia did this for me I'm saying Georgia did this for people like me people who may have let your mind kind of get fixated on some of the other stuff going on in the program 
I don't think this was a reminder to future opponents about George Pickens, because if anything, they'd want to keep that a secret if he truly is coming back. I think this is a reminder to people like you and me, for us, Georgia fans, those who make up Dog Nation, don't we shouldn't forget about what George Pickens potentially brings to the table. We should be there in anticipation of him potentially returning because maybe it could be that Pickens notices that, right? Maybe when Pickens realizes just how excited Georgia fans would be about the chance to see him play a few more games this season, especially when you think about the fact that the calendar dictates that as the season goes on, the games get more and more important to think that Georgia might have Pickens back for those games, that Pickens might see how much Georgia fans crave the chance to see him play again. That might motivate Pickens even more as part of this injury recovery and might make him realize just how special of an opportunity he still has if he comes back and plays in a Georgia uniform yet this year. I, I can't say for sure that that's what's going on, but it is certainly a possibility. The point is, is that Pickens, if he wasn't on my mind before, he is definitely on my mind now, and I think for a lot of Georgia fans there too. I don't know when he's coming back, but the idea that he might come back, that seems a lot more of a possibility now than it did a few days ago. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Good to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and available for you starting at 9.45 a.m. for our first and 15 on dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. Of course, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all the other video platforms, the podcast players, Apple, Spotify, uh, the Google player for the Android folks, all kinds of podcast platforms I've never heard of. Just really, really great to have you checking in, including on the radio every day at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. We try to make the show as available as possible and as interactive as possible. And obviously, your support on all that is a great, great joy for us. And of course, big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia because we couldn't do all this without them. And when you think about the rain we've had the last few days, it also gets you thinking about the one thing they can really do for you as well which is take care of you for foundation waterproofing issues. Let's face it, a lot of you know, every time the sky turns gray, every time time water starts falling from those clouds, that's a risk for you because you're going to see evidence of water intrusion into your garage, crawl space, basement. Some of you have been noticing cracks in your foundation, in the walls of your house. You've seen that before. You know it's the sign of a potential problem, and maybe you haven't made the decision yet to get it seen about. Well, it's time to stop putting that off. It's time to get that taken care of today. And it's time to trust Engineered Solutions of Georgia to do that for you. They are proud partners of UGA. It's great to support those that support the dogs. Good friends of ours on Dog Nation Daily for a long time. And obviously, I'm very proud of that. I I consider my friends at ESOG very, very good friends. And they're easy to get in touch with there as well. This matters for me. The phone number could not be easier to memorize uh, and remember. So give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Great to have them and all of you with us here for our program today. All right, it's Connor Riley coming up in a moment. We'll talk more to Connor about Pickens and everything else going on around Georgia football before that. However, before we get into that, let's go around the doghouse here for a moment. Uh, presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And the cocktail party is still a little less than 40 days away. But the rivalry between Georgia and Florida boy, it really seems to be heating up at just the right time. Let's go through some of this that's been out there for the last couple of days and set the stage for all of this. First of all, there's a guy that I like. Maybe you know him. He's the bear, Chris Felica. He sits off to the side on ESPN's College Game Day. He does podcasts, things like that. I like his perspective on college football. I think he's pretty interesting. He put out something on Twitter last day or so 
with his mind apparently already on Georgia, Florida a little bit. Now, he starts off his week by saying, I know Florida isn't into moral victories, but Dan Mullen showed again why he's one of the best game planners around. Well, first of all, I can't be quite so sure that Florida isn't into moral victories because I think they're pretty darn close to hanging a banner for a two-point loss to Alabama or whatever it turned out to be. So if there is evidence that Florida isn't into moral victories, I haven't seen it as of yet. But nonetheless, uh, Felica goes on to say that to nearly upset Alabama, the quarterback that doesn't offer much of a passing threat and dominating the run game, the cocktail party sure feels a lot more interesting. So let me just do one more thing and then I'll get to the point I wanted to make. He, uh, Felica says, boy, you nearly upset Alabama with a quarterback that doesn't offer much. Well, hold on. I thought Dan Mullen was the quarterback whisperer. If the quarterback doesn't offer much, isn't that Dan Mullen's fault? I mean, <laughs> at a certain point, like, do we just give Dan Mullen the credit for everything, including, boy, he found a way to keep it close with Florida without a quarterback. Well, he's supposed to be the quarterback guru. That's supposed to be the thing that he's so great at. But nonetheless, uh, Felica says the cocktail party sure feels a lot more interesting this morning. If that be the case, then I think that's good, right? I mean, I like Georgia, Florida feeling like a big deal. I like uh, Georgia fans being forced to consider that the SEC East isn't an inheritance. That's not the kind of thing that Georgia just goes and and has given to them. Uh, Jacksonville, Florida on October 30th is not supposed to be some sort of coronation. So if Chris Felica's words serve as a reminder that Georgia, Florida – you know in that spot on october 30th is supposed to be a big deal then then more power to it more power you know to everyone on, on that it's also interesting to see some of what florida is saying coming off of the um the 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 big near win against alabama on saturday including zachary carter uh florida a defensive lineman who feels pretty good about his group right now and uh putting the name of georgia in his mouth there as well so zach albaverde our old colleague by the way tweets out that alabama was held under 100 yards rushing saturday for just the third time since 2014 which is impressive right uh zachary carter retweets that and says it's the best defensive line in the country meaning the uh, uh florida gators and uh carter goes on to say here come all these georgia fans uh get off my page carter says when it comes to all of that so look he- here is my response to to any of that um i can't decide if i want to go the montgomery burns route you know him the boss of homer simpson on the simpsons and give you the excellent or if I, what I really want to do is give you the Emperor Palpatine, the good, you know, let the hate flow inside you. If this is what Florida folks are saying, and as, as a buildup to Georgia, I think it's all really good. I think this is all really, really enjoyable. I think it's exactly where I want it to be. I want that group just basking in how great they are. I want that group reminding Georgia fans to to you know whatever it is that, that carter said there about getting off his you know feed or his twitter page or whatever else cultivate all of that build all of that up that's exactly where i want the mindset to be as georgia gets ready for florida because the best versions of georgia in this game have had that kind of lead up think about you know the was it chauncey gardner before the 2017 game talking about uh you know jake Fromm throwing slant passes and then Fromm threw a slant pass to deandre swift and the rest was kind of history and all that during the game it seems like the best versions of georgia florida have included florida you know running that yap the way they are right now and as kirby smart has said georgia can tend to do its talking with its helmets because obviously I would not want to put myself in front of a runaway train that is the Georgia defensive line right now in terms of saying, oh, we're definitely better than you. Our group in Gainesville definitely better than this group is there for Georgia because I do think this Georgia group is capable of doing its talking with its helmets. But 
It's also interesting to think about this. Even though Georgia's overall results are certainly laudable, what you really kind of see more, more coming out of UGA is no one patting themselves on the back saying best in the country, you know, Florida better watch out or anything like that. What you see from Georgia right now is trying to fine tune the areas in which they are imperfect, fi- trying to fine tune the areas in which they do have room to get better. And some of Kirby Smart from his press conference yesterday on the subject of the 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 pass defense the the fact that there were a couple of big plays allowed against josh van in south carolina and you know a chance to even do more of that against clemson although you know clemson other than a couple of pis wasn't fully able to take advantage so you've got florida saying boy look how good that bunch in gainesville is look how good that defensive line is you've got georgia saying look how much better we need to get even though statistically uh, statistically speaking we've been pretty dominant so as a reminder here is kirby smart talking about what the georgia defense still needs to do here's kirby my level of concern is the same it was the first day we went out of practice. You don't give up long pass plays and win games. And, you know, those same pass plays were prevalent. Clemson, they were just PIs, you know. So it's uh, it's just something that you have to work on. And, you know, people think that you have to uh, play somebody else to solve those problems. You have to have good technique. You have to play with proper technique. And you have to uh, relieve some of that pressure with scheme. Um, but I'm a big believer in getting better at what you do. So, I mean, every time they throw that ball down the field, it's an opportunity for us to catch it. You know, the week before, Keely Ringo went up and caught that ball. And, you know, you, you go, okay, well, you do that a couple times, how many of those will you see? And if, if I'm playing our defense and I'm struggling to run the ball, what's your answer going to be? I'm not going to continue to just run it. You know, I'm going to find ways to try to get one-on-one matchups and throw the ball. And, you know, we say it all the time. That, that ball is just as much yours as it is theirs. So when Connor Riley joins us in a moment, I'm going to get more into the specifics of what Smart says there because I think there's some pretty interesting stuff. But let me just kind of wrap up this Around the Doghouse presented by Georgia's own credit union with kind of a simple point. What do you want to be? You want to be the team that's bragging on how good you are after a close loss or the team that's lamenting how much better you need to get after a dominant win i don't mind telling you from a mindset standpoint i think the georgia side of that is a lot more likely to produce future results georgia won easily and yet there's this stressing of where the program needs to get better florida loss albeit close and there's this victory lap being taken around the sec right now from a mindset standpoint in my opinion one of those mindsets is way better than the other and i gotta tell you i think i think i speak on behalf of a lot of georgia fans when i say october 30th cannot get here soon enough all right it's around the doghouse it's presented today by our friends at georgia's own credit union one of the great things that georgia's own credit union provides for you is a chance to sign up apply and get one of these visa signature or platinum cards one of the great things you can have because it offers an array of features and benefits first of all you can make contactless payments which is always you know very very convenient but you can also get flex rewards with your card that can be used for just about anything think about gift cards or travel or merchandise even cash back and as a bonus you can also get up to 150 dollars when you open one of these new platinum or signature cards there are some restrictions to apply so to learn more about that and to apply check out the website georgia's that's georgia's all right, before we're done, we'll do a little bit on the quarterback situation. Smart talking more yesterday about the possibility of multiple quarterbacks playing again for Georgia this Saturday. But for now, on everything on the dogs, where it stands right now in comparison to the rest of the country, 
and kind of all the stuff that's being said all across the fruited plain about the uh, race for the to be the best in the SEC and college football. Let's do it all as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley right now. and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, so a lot of stuff to do. Connor Riley, Kroger Fresh Take time with him. And spent a lot of time saying this off the top of the program. I'm genuinely curious, Connor, to hear your opinions on this there as well. Kirby doesn't, in my mind, do anything by accident. The the chance to see Pickens yesterday doesn't feel accidental either. And the assumption I make for this is this isn't some sort of, you know, uh, 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 psyop against future Georgia opponents. This is, I believe, a reminder to Georgia fans not to forget about this guy and not to forget about what could still be a very exciting addition to the Georgia program. I, I think this was an internal message to the, you know, those of us who think of ourselves as a part of Dog Nation more so than an external message to future opponents what did you make of it all yesterday first of all you're forgetting about todd Gurley. when you when you call pickens the most interesting i believe is your word yeah fair interesting, enough interesting i i think you got to include Gurley. I, I i that's absolutely it, right Gurley yeah. was uh was very For very interesting many of the same reasons as mr pickens obviously didn't throw a georgia tech defender into a wall he just ran them into one in the 2013 game yeah. I, I would include todd Gurley in there but i believe that is, that is a list no, I think I think you're probably right about that. Uh, that Gurley definitely belongs in a discussion like that. What did you make of Pickens yesterday? I wish I could get to where you are. I wish that I had that hint of of optimism because I do think you're still a little guarded that we're going to see him, but sure. it's still seen as a positive sign. When it comes to George Pickens, I believe seeing him in a Georgia uniform again will be like seeing Bigfoot. He's maybe out there. I, I don't deny that. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up happening. But until I see it with my own eyes, I'm going to have a hard time believing that it is something that we will see this season just because of the, you know, what we know about George and the potential pitfalls that come with this and also the fact that he's going to be an NFL prospect. And I have no doubt that there are people in his camp saying that is what your focus needs to be at this point in time. So let me workshop a take for you. Mm -hmm. We love that. Okay, so I'm going to really go around the planet to get to a point here. But this upcoming weekend is one of my favorite sporting events. It's the Ryder Cup. I think the Ryder Cup is the second best event in golf, the Masters being number one. The thing I find fascinating about the Ryder Cup is it's just this thing that the athletes who compete in it have decided matters. It only matters because there's this mutual agreement on the part of the European side, the American side, that it's a really big deal. But none of the competitors that go get paid a dime for being a part of it. It's just a thing they want to do. And uh, Justin Thomas a couple of years ago said he'd rather win the Ryder Cup than win a major. Like, it's a thing that the golfers have decided matters more to them than money. So my point here is, is that folks look at George Pickens and say, you'd be crazy to play this sport for free when you have a chance in a few months to go play a sport for money and get paid. But there are things in life that are truly worth more than money. Now, listen. I don't think George Pickens should put his health in danger just to play mm-hmm. for my favorite college football team. I mean, selfishly, I'd obviously like for him to play for Georgia, but I, I also try to be fair and totally acknowledge that he's got to think about um, something you know beyond just what <laughs> benefits me and my audience. But this idea that there's no way in which he would ever consider playing for free when he has a chance to play for money, that's just not how sports work sometimes. There is a competitive fire that burns in you that makes you say hey 
you know, I had a chance to be a part of something pretty fun right now, pretty cool. To me, college football could be George Pickens' version of the Ryder Cup, where I may not get play, I may not get paid for doing this, but there's some real pride and some ancillary benefits that go uh, a part of being on a team like this. And if I notice, oh wow, you know, you know, Georgia fans are really talking about me being at practice. All of a sudden, that becomes a reminder about just how much Pickens is loved by this fan base, and it might lead him to say okay, I don't have a financial motivation for for playing, but that doesn't mean I still don't want to play, and maybe he might do that. So so that's kind of where I am. If he's not healthy enough to play, he definitely shouldn't. Or if there's any question that he might not be healthy, take it easy and don't. But if you are healthy and you're just waiting around for April, why not come win a national championship in Georgia? Because uh, there'd be millions of people that would love you for doing it. And to that point right there, I think if you're someone who wants to see George Pickens on the field – you need to see Georgia keep winning. You need to see them be, what, I guess, 8-0 after that yeah. Florida game there. I think if that's where Georgia's at, and it's clear at that point in time, because I think it will be that Georgia is very much a national title contender because there's still a lot of lot of stuff to sort out after. You know, we only have three data points at this point in time. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams, one of those games is against a, a team that is just not of their quality or capability. Um, so if you see Georgia get to 8-0, if you see them win in Jacksonville, that's sort of been my internal timeline of – all right, maybe then we start to, to, to really give credit to the idea that George Pickens is going to be back. I think you're making a really good point. This will be the f- last thing I say about Pickens. We'll move on. Because let's say Georgia had beaten South Carolina 13-10. to 10. Let's say it was actually an ugly slug. Yeah. In just a, it was it, 2019. Yeah, yeah just an ugly game. It turns out to be t- like 2019. It, it had been an ugly game. Georgia played close. Everybody's mad that Georgia didn't score more points. And if, lo and behold, Pickens was seen at practice on Monday, then the conversation's totally different. Mm-hmm. To me, at that time, it becomes, oh, this is a distraction. Georgia wants folks not to talk about the fact they didn't play very well. Georgia doesn't want people fixated on all the stuff that's wrong with the program. They want this pipe dream of maybe Pickens is coming back to be the thing that people are talking about. But there's no need to change the story right now for Georgia. That, they're actually, in my mind, playing pretty well. Not perfect, but for the most part, pretty well that it's not like the Pickens narrative needs to replace some more unpleasant narrative. At least I don't think so anyway. I, you know, to, to, to me, it's one of those things that kind of is allowed to exist on its own and not a replacement for some unpleasant conversation that Georgia – the same way that sometimes Georgia gets commit after it misses on a recruit. You know, um, uh, this doesn't feel like a, a conversation changer to me. It just feels like something that Georgia wanted – folks to see and notice first of all be georgia scored 40 points on saturday and there are fans that are still upset that they didn't score more so i i think that tells you where the state of the 2021 georgia team is but yeah i i think this pickens story again i i i don't think we see him before florida you know you know yeah. they, they do get the bye week there i think that's all very premature i i think after that Florida game, you know, maybe Missouri, potentially Tennessee, though Tennessee's going to be tough because, I mean, we'll know where he's at, tennis, at the week of that Tennessee game because they have a 70-man travel roster, and yeah. Georgia does not bring players who are not going to contribute. So if he's on that Tennessee travel roster, I think that says very good things about the potential of him playing, obviously, and then those last two games, Georgia Tech and uh, not Coastal Carolina, uh, Charleston Southern. Charleston Southern, yeah. I think those are maybe the games you look to try to get him some some reps because I I'm skeptical that you're just going to throw him into the deep end in an SEC championship game as well. Can you imagine George Pickens coming back for the Florida game? Oh my god. I mean, 
Like that now, game. Can you is imagine gonna... him coming back for the uh, Georgia Tech game? Yeah, exactly. Because there's a lot of history there too. But that Georgia Florida game is already such an emotional fever pitch where you really have to get the team down, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to getting them up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Pickens, whose line kind of runs in the red already as it is. Woo boy, that would be uh, really something. All right, speaking of, of Florida here for a moment. So Alabama did not look great on the road at Florida. Uh, Clemson has really looked pretty lousy for the most part. Uh, you know, the, the Georgia Tech game especially. Um, you know, they seem to be kind of outside the elite conversation right now. Oklahoma close against Nebraska, uh, close against Tulane. Ohio State's got massive defensive problems. They've also lost a game already. Um, I don't think it's a huge stretch to say that Georgia through three weeks has been the best team in the country that also doesn't mean all that much to me because there are lots of examples in recent years of teams just getting way better as the season progresses and i'm not ready to say there's not going to be an elite team or other than maybe georgia simply because there hasn't been one through three weeks what do you make of how georgia fits into the national conversation at the moment yeah i'd still say alabama is the best team until i see them get beaten um I, I think that's what I need to see. But uh, if you ask me who, what the best individual unit in the country is, offense or defense, I'll take Georgia's defense over anybody. And, you know, I've banged the drum as loud as anyone that defense doesn't quite mean as much as it used to. But when you're getting pressure like this, 13 sacks through three games, if they continue that pace over the course of the season, I think that puts them at 52 sacks. So I, I think this Georgia defense is good enough to to win them a lot of games on its own. And with what we've seen from this offense, whether it be JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett, a yeah. quarterback, it seems like schematically and personnel-wise, the offense is where I think you want to see it be. They're hitting on those explosive pass plays. I thought the most impressive drive was that 11-play 90-yarder they had on Saturday night where multiple, not just – third downs but third and third and six third and seven third and longish where you know south carolina knew it was a pass play and there was nothing that they could do you know three third down conversions two to a freshman adonai mitchell another one to kiaris jackson who came back and played for his first offensive snaps of the season and then they end that drive with a 39 yard bomb to mitchell i mean that's the sort of thing that i think a lot of georgia fans have been wanting to see from this offense and you know as jt daniels certainly looked more healthy and we'll we'll talk about the quarterback situation here in a moment but you know, if that's a JT Daniels Georgia gets for the rest of the season, that one bad throw to John Fitzpatrick there aside, you know, I certainly think by the end of the season we could be in agreement this is the best team in the country. So the one thing I did say yesterday was is that although my mind assumes that teams like Alabama, they typically have that kind of sleepwalking game in September and go on a run after that, I'm not convinced that's not about to happen right now as well. I think there's a very good chance it does. But let's just say for those who are like chaos year, Let's just say they're right, right? Let's just say that, for sake of conversation, that this is a more chaotic year where the the groupings are a little bit more clustered together than they have in the last few years, where it was obvious that a few teams were on an easy trek towards the college football playoff. If that be the case, then the goals for Georgia, I think, are way different. It's not about stressing out about trying to be perfect. It's just making sure that you maintain the same level of consistently good performance week after week. As I said yesterday, simple goal. If it's a chaotic year, just avoid the chaos. Play as well as you did Saturday, even if you played imperfectly. Play as well as you did on Saturday for nine more regular season games. The odds are Georgia's is is in as good a shape as anyone mm-hmm. by the time the season comes to an end. And to that point, while I hate that that Georgia-Arkansas game is going to be at noon because yeah. I think there's a really good chance that's a top 15 and potentially even a top 10 game yeah. when that gets played, you got a top 
top 20, certainly a top 25 team in Arkansas coming to your game, t- coming to your home stadium in a noon kickoff, a yeah. spot where admittedly in the past, Georgia hasn't always looked great there. If you get a chance to prove yourself in that environment and against a physical Arkansas team that while yes, you're going to have a clear talent edge over Arkansas and Sam Pittman aren't going to give you that game. And right. so I think that data point now that it is a noon kickoff, cause it's easy to get up for night games to get up and if they go out and they take care of business that day i'm not saying they cover the spread or or, you know win 60 to 10 or something along the lines that day but if they go out and they take care of business and look like the better team and a noon kickoff in a very sleepy spot against an arkansas team that 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 game's going to mean quite a lot to i think that's going to say a lot about where this georgia team could be headed it's our Kroger fresh take with connor riley here on dog nation daily here today and of course we're also celebrating hispanic heritage month there as well kroger doing this too with authentic flavors at your local kroger everything you need to spice up your meal really really fun stuff just stop by your local kroger you can learn more about that today uh, i always love how well stocked kroger stores are and how much whether it be the unique item that you're looking for or just that weekly essential that you have to have i i never find myself wanting when going into a kroger they're always well stocked on all of that so a moment ago we played kirby smart talking about the need to improve the georgia pass rush and uh, excuse me not the pass rush i would say that's probably <laughs> firing at about an a level right now the pass defense giving up some big plays to josh van on saturday and i thought smart said an interesting thing about that that it's not as simple as just saying well put this guy on the bench put this other guy in the game uh and i thought that was kind of interesting from smart on that you know it's an offensive line that's still in in flux here a, a bit too running game improved some probably has more it needs to improve on what do you make about the areas in which georgia is still looking to get better obviously you know vanderbilt has the look of a get right style opponent on saturday but for as well as georgia's playing there are areas that still need to be better than they currently are and what would you make of those particular areas at the moment yeah i guess with the secondary it wasn't so much that josh van had the game that he had it's that he had the game that he had against seemingly everyone Georgia threw at him. You know, he got behind Keely Ringo on a couple of plays. He very nearly caught one over Lewis Seen where Seen got got a hand on the ball in the last second and was able to jar it somewhat loose. Uh, he just straight up mossed Darian Kendrick there mm-hmm. at one point as well and then obviously got behind Amir Speed in the first drive of the game there. And so I, and maybe this is just more a statement of where college football is to where just if you have a really good receiver which Josh Van certainly looked like that on Saturday that's just going to be good defensive back play more often than not you just got to do your best to to make sure that you know you you can limit that and I would point out I I I don't think there's a duo this year like there like there was last year with a Waddle and Smith when Georgia played Alabama or even a you know a Pitts and a Tony type combination at least well outside of Ohio State but they have a lot of issues uh beyond that right now so I you know, I, I think Georgia's still got time to sort of figure it out. And look, sometimes when you're a defensive back and you go up for a 50-50 ball, they're, they're called 50-50 balls, and there's a 50% chance you get them, yeah. and there's a 50% chance you don't. And, and Vane is a good enough receiver to turn that into a 60-40 situation. As, long, as far as the offensive line, you know, they played better on Saturday. You did see a little bit more explosiveness from there, a little bit more easier time running the football. And, and if Georgia's going to do what they did passing the ball, I think you're going to continue to see that. I'm still interested. We didn't see Broderick Jones all that early in that game. And again, when he did come into the game and play with the starters, they didn't move Jamari Sawyer down to guard. And I'm going to be interested how long we keep talking about the potential of Jamari Sawyer playing at guard until we just accept the fact that maybe this Jamari Sawyer is just going to be Georgia's left tackle for, for when it matters. Because again, he's still playing at a really high level there. And while we all, I think, like the ceiling and upside of Broderick Jones – 
in the reality, Jamari Sawyer probably still is for this team this season the best left tackle there. The question is, can can Broderick Jones be a better left tackle than, say, Warren Erickson or be a better right guard? Because I think that's sort of the move that has to be made there. And it's still a long ways away, but it's not too early to at least think about it. Much the same way we spent the entire summer saying, ooh, how do you block Clemson? With all due respect to Florida, if you want to win a national championship, you got to block Will Anderson. you yep. got to block the uh, tremendous edge rusher for uh, Alabama. And having your tackle situation figured out by the end of the year is just imperative. And maybe you say, well, you want the solid Sal you're doing that because he's proven capable of here now going on two years or maybe you say at that point in time you have to have the more what I would think of as more athletic tackle in the game which might be one of these young guys whichever way you want to go on that that's a big big test that that you know you know he's come back from injury maybe he didn't have the world's greatest game against uh, uh you know Florida or whatever but um if you want to win the national championship, you got to block him more often than you don't. And one point I'll make on the offensive line here, I actually think they really miss Tate Ratledge. Uh, you know, the, the physicality that I think Tate was going to bring, from all accounts, he had a, a standout offseason. I think not having him out there complicates things a little bit because the way that, you know, Warren Erickson is just not the physical player that Tate Ratledge is. And so you lose that for the season, one one drive in, in, into your season, it, it, it changes the calculus on the offensive line because I think a lot of people probably thought, myself included, certainly by the end of the season, Tate Ratledge was going to be one of Georgia's five best offensive linemen. And I think that made it a, a, a much a much higher ceiling offensive line than where it currently is right now. And so there's still, you know, I think we know who the six are that you're going to see over the course of a season. It's going to be Sawyer, Schaefer, Van Pran, Granger, excuse me, Van Pran, Granger, sure. Warren Erickson, Warren McClendon, and then Broderick Jones right now seems like that sixth guy. Yeah. And so we're going to see, you know, is Georgia content to just keep going with the line they have because they didn't make improvements and strides on Saturday? Or is there going to sort of like in 2017 – be a game that comes along that actually forces Georgia to make the change, which would be much like inserting Ben Cleveland, inserting Jamar or uh, Broderick Jones into the lineup. Um, let me finish with this, Connor. Uh, we did see the Stetson Bennett moment in the game on Saturday, and interception notwithstanding, it was just kind of a weird thing to take JT Daniels out of the game at that time, at least in my mind. Smart didn't close the door on that happening again based on what he kind of said yesterday we'll let folks hear that audio before we're done here today to me it was frustrating because i thought it changed a conversation about what would otherwise been a pretty pleasant discussion the fact that georgia played more good than bad and you know won an sec game pretty easily instead the post-game conversation turned to quarterback stuff and who's playing when and who's doing what and i just thought it was kind of irritating and i thought that smart was to blame for cultivating to the level that he did but i'm curious if your opinion on it because i don't think we've heard that yet what did you have to say what did you think about it yeah i get the process that kirby was going for there you know we saw it a week ago where he plays stetson for two drives and stetson looked incredible and then we brought in carson back and i don't think there was any i don't think there was the same level of calamity among the decision to bring back in when Stetson had been playing so well. And I, you know, unfortunately I do think some of this is just tied into who, how, how people feel about Stetson Bennett. And then the result just turned out disastrous. He throws an interception on his first pass attempt and that sort of only fuels it there. You know, I, 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 I get reading into smarts comments. He's not playing Stetson Bennett again. Like mm-hmm. let, let's not, let's not blow this into anything bigger than it needs to be. And, and sure. Maybe Kirby doesn't want to give an inch to the media because he, he is always fighting that battle and always right. trying to win. 
But Stetson Bennett's not not taking reps away from JT Daniels. And I, I would point out, you know, we still, you know, JT Daniels and what his health situation is, you know, that could have certainly factored into it as well. So I, I understand why people freak out about it. And obviously Kirby Smart's history with, with the handling of the quarterback position has not always been stellar. But again, when the when it matters it, because again you know there was a chance they could have gone they could have stuck to the two one two one sort of scenario yeah. they did against uh, UAB JT Daniels is throwing these passes when when it matters what seems so bizarre to me is is that if Kirby was here like the one thing I would say to him is just take the win like yeah. JT Daniels is a better quarterback in your program than he was at USC he's a healthier player now than he was a year ago like everything about Daniels at Georgia is going pretty well he's playing well on the field his uh you know his health his return to health has been well paced and he's even giving credit to the Georgia staff on that like take the victory take the bow and don't do anything else other than just celebrate the fact that you have cultivated a pretty good quarterback here and it's not obvious he'd be having the same level of success had he stayed at USC just claim victory it's all you gotta do just claim victory yeah and you know I think he does want to reward Stetson Bennett because I don't think a lot of people would have gone through what what Stetson has gone through and stayed with this program uh again you know the result turned out crummy but i i understand the process that smart was thinking through there and while you know he again he might not want to come out and publicly say that yeah we're, we're not going to do that anymore because Stetson might once again be thrust into into playing time you know obviously jt does have a little bit of an injury history now does he not you know with the knee injury and then the oblique you know the stuff starts adding up and he might need to lean on stetson again so you want to give some confidence there but as long as JT is healthy, he's going to be the one making these passes. I don't think we're going to see any sort of rotation against uh, against Vanderbilt this weekend unless Kirby just wants to give a big middle finger to everybody when it comes to this sort of quarterback rotation stuff. Connor, good stuff. Thanks for being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take. We'll look forward to reading you at dognation.com. More good stuff coming from Athens later on today, of course, and back here on the program again very soon, too. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, uh, really good stuff. Connor Riley there. Let's bring that way down if you don't mind. That's a little loud today. Um, really good stuff from uh, Connor Riley there. Uh, and check out, I hope you will read all the stuff going on at dognation.com because there's a lot of good updates about all the big news coming out of Athens. And it seems like this time of year it comes very, very fast. And uh, Connor, uh, Mike Griffith, they got it all for you there. Also, make sure you check out the Finnish Long Drink as well. What a great opportunity that is. This, you know, as we kind of head towards that fall season, the Finnish Long Drink goes well this time of year. It looks like a beer because it's in a can, but it's not. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. Pop the top, pour it in a glass, drink it out of the can, whatever you want to do. Either way, it's super easy and really fun to enjoy on all of that. There are four different varieties. There's the traditional in the blue can. There's the long drink zero, which is zero carbs, zero sugar. The long drink strong in the black can, 8.5% alcohol by volume. A lot of you love the long drink cranberry. My wife loves that. Uh, a lot of the folks around the bars in Athens, I understand, really, really enjoying all of that. It's in America now, has been for a couple of years after coming over from Finland, and it's really here in the state of Georgia, pretty much wherever you are. So go to thelongdrink.com. That's thelongdrink.com. You can find out more about that. I've told you before that I think that sneakily one of the funniest, most enjoyable personalities of SEC coaches is Eli Drinkwitz. I just think that he kind of comes across as a guy who's comfortable in his own skin. And he's just, like I said, he's just kind of genuinely funny. A lot of coaches are not. A lot of coaches work very hard to be seen as like super serious. But Drinkwitz is just kind of okay being himself here. And he makes an appearance on the, I think it's the SEC This Morning show. I think I've got the uh, quote here I can show you that they shared on social media of Drinkwitz. I guess they're bouncing around the league. I didn't see the interview. I just saw the social media post. 
But Drinkwitz was asked about uh, Georgia's defense. He said, holy cow, how good is Georgia's defense? Adding Will Muschamp to that defensive staff ought to be illegal. Uh, <laughs> Eli Drinkwitz uh, says of all of that. And to be fair, um, had Muschamp not taken over on special teams, it would have been illegal, right? Like he was not an on-field coach specifically with the defensive role until he stepped in in place of the for now departed uh, Scott Cochran. But it is also interesting now that, that Muschamp is back in that kind of on-field role. You really don't see much you know, secrecy anymore about the fact that also has given him a chance to be kind of plugged into what's going on, on the defensive side you know you see him kind of involved in some of the pregame type stuff on the sidelines or you know other things that are kind of going on there it's it's fairly obvious that they are leaning on Muschamp's expertise and I think it's incredibly valuable I, I really do I mean Muschamp has been around the block he's been a head coach at two different spots uh you know worked other you know places other than that like this guy knows a lot of institutional memory and you can really lean on that he's also you know a pivotal force in recruiting I think at some point in time, he probably wants to be a head coach again. I'm guessing, you know, uh, you know, guys that young typically do. But while he's kind of in this phase of his life, kind of rebooting after, you know, going through what he went through at South Carolina, George is going to take advantage of it. He's working with his friends. I'm sure he's probably never had more professional fun than he's having right now. Like, it's one thing to be the guy in charge and your competitive fire sometimes demand that you be that dude. But that's not always the most fun experience in your life. You know, working as a lieutenant while Kirby Smart takes all the slings and arrows that comes the way of a head coach. He's got plenty of money. He's been a head coach to a different place in the SEC. I'm assuming the finances aren't an issue. My guess is that Muschamp's probably having the time of his life right now. He certainly seems very relaxed when you see him. That's a, probably a pretty good experience that he's having there. thought it was interesting to see Eli Manning, the obviously former New York Giants and Ole Miss quarterback, on the Pat McAfee show, and the subject of Arch Manning came up there. This is the point that I made yesterday, that I really don't know how good Arch Manning is. There are moments in the past where famous last name guy gets more attention as a recruit than he probably otherwise would deserve. There's also a chance that Arch Manning is the best quarterback in the country for the class of 2023 and may end up ranking among the very best quarterbacks that have been in consideration for UGA over the course of that time. Right? It could go one of two ways. But as a Georgia fan, the reason why I continue to be very happy about Georgia's connection to Arch Manning and involvement with Manning is, is I love the mainstream attention that comes the way of, of Georgia with Eli Manning, who's right now about as famous as anybody can be in the football world because of what he and Peyton are doing on that kind of para broadcast for Monday Night Football. Pat McAfee's got a huge platform on the show yesterday. Uh, Eli says, I feel for Arch. He's got so much pressure and expectation. People say he's supposed to be the best of all of us. No pressure, he says, somewhat laughingly about all of that. But to think about, you know, Eli being on with McAfee, talking about, you know, being at Georgia, at least Arch Manning being at Georgia, that's just good, free, earned media for the Georgia program. You can do something with that. I know some of you are a little bit frustrated by how much attention Arch got on the ESPN broadcast the other night, but that's just, I mean, there are some last names that are just way, way famous, mainstream famous, casual fan famous. The Manning last name in football is clearly one of those. And for right now, Georgia's benefiting from that connection to it. Now, Arch may go to Georgia, may go somewhere else, but you can't take away the attention that Georgia's getting right now through all of that. One final SEC through story, then we'll kind of move on and talk about George again. I, I did think it was kind of interesting to see uh, Sam Pittman this week. Of course, uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas, really the big SEC game for the weekend. That game is back at Jerry World again this year. 
and Sam Pittman kind of expresses some frustration about that they had to play in College Station a year ago now they're back in Jerry World right now this is one of those weird deals where obviously Texas A&M probably doesn't mind playing the game in uh what is it Irving Texas that where uh, Jerry World is they don't mind playing in that suburban Dallas area for this game because you know they are a Texas school Arkansas is also a little weird on this in that one of their biggest boosters like if you go to Fayetteville a name that you see on buildings there is Jerry Jones the owner of the Dallas Cowboys a former Arkansas letterman he's a big booster to the Arkansas program so Arkansas even though from a like a Sam Pittman standpoint he probably doesn't love going to you know uh, jerry world to play this game each and every year or at least what arkansas has done each and every year um uh but the program has certainly greatly benefited from its connection to jerry jones that's why it's kind of happened but arkansas is also weird in that you know historically they've also played an sec game every year in little rock as well little rock is about two and a half hours from fayetteville so if you go back and look at the number of sec games that arkansas typically plays in fayetteville there are a lot of years they only play three sec opponents in fayetteville for the entire year it's a very very strange situation there in that regard sam Pittman's expressed some frustration about that i think this is way different than the georgia florida scenario because i think georgia florida both sides have benefited from their connection to jacksonville arkansas other than the fact that it benefits one of their boosters probably doesn't quite feel so well connected to that game in jerry world i believe it's about to come to an end the current contract ends in 2024 but ahead of the big game on saturday sounds like sam Pittman's ready to see this game played in fayetteville a little more frequently we'll make that your sec through and as i promised we'll get into the quarterback thing here for a moment i thought connor had some interesting things to say about this a little earlier and i want you to hear kirby smart in his own words obviously smart is going to keep his cards close to the vest and is going to you know disregard criticism smart certainly felt some of that because he inserted stetson Bennett the way that he did on saturday but in terms of addressing what it means for the vanderbilt game moving forward this very quickly is smart on his quarterbacks this from yesterday i think jt came out of the game pretty clean uh, he had one sack but he was down before he got hit uh i'll know more today as far as his health i would think he's you know progressed along and doing a nice job in terms of his health and that always goes back to how they practice, you know, how the guys practice. I think mean, he certainly um, showed that he was healthy enough to play, and he played with a high efficiency. Um, still a couple decisions there that on boots and nakeds where he's got to make better decisions with the ball. But can't argue with how he played on third down. Um, he was efficient with the ball, made good decisions. Um, the one pick was late, uh, but he did some good things. So, again, it'll be based on day-to-day how we practice and how guys practice in practice practice matters i mean my thing on this is i kind of said to connor before just take yes for an answer let a good thing be a good thing georgia's quarterback situation right now i'd say is a pretty good thing when daniels is healthy and yes he missed the uab game but watching him play this past saturday i certainly didn't see any lingering effects from that he's way healthier than he was i would say a year ago and certainly way healthier than he was in 2019 he's also playing better now at georgia than he ever played at usc that georgia's developing daniels georgia's helping daniels recover and recuperate and if you want to see future georgia quarterbacks play well i do truly believe that setting a high benchmark for the position is one of the best ways to do that there's a reason why alabama's got so many quarterbacks in the nfl who are kind of starting games right now because the overall position level has been raised by the performance of that offense year over year that when daniels plays well he sets up a scenario where the guy that takes over for him in 2022 also and then 2023 and 2024 whatever else also has a chance to do well too so the georgia quarterback thing 
right now is actually a pretty good thing it's pretty it should be a pretty good conversation you got a good quarterback right now given the depth of the position there's very good reason to think that you've got a good quarterback in line for 2022 among a group of guys if Daniels were to get hurt again uh, Stetson Bennett has proven himself to be a very capable backup I don't see anything bad when it comes to the Georgia quarterback situation I see something that mostly looks good so let's not confuse that with you know quarterback rotations or you know who wins the practice or anything like that i feel like the i feel like the actual news of the georgia quarterback situation is too good right now to cloud it with anything weird that's just my two cents on that so as i told you before the georgia florida rivalry is heating up just in time and this is the portion of the show when we do our gator hater roll call and for a while the submissions for gator hater roll call were really kind of all over the board right you're mocking clemson or you're mocking whoever else boy people have squarely got their attention on florida right now so golden shoe awards you got to think for the next you know near future going to go to folks who you know want to shout out these gators and get their mind on what's going to have coming to them on october 30th example of that today let me show you this on the screen so jason honeywell says this isn't his uh his meme his edit he said but he thought i would appreciate it and there's dan mullen for those of you listening to radio podcast holding his fingers very close together and the meme says florida fans uh to the rest of the sec talking about how close they were to beating alabama boy it seems that way doesn't it jason thanks for sharing that with us and good job by the creator how about our gatorator countdown it is a beatdown for the gators coming 39 days for right now thanks for being here on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll see you again tomorrow and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down find rs andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs some good comments coming on both the twitter feed at dog nation daily you can hit me up there or in our comment section at dognation.com. Good chance for you to get involved there, too. So let me do E. Stotts here on Twitter, who mentions, yesterday I said, simple goal for Georgia, avoid chaos. If the media is right, if it's a chaotic year, if Kirby Smart is right, who called it a weird year, if that's true, then simply don't participate in the weirdness. Don't participate in the chaos. Be at least as good in the remaining nine regular season games as you were in the last couple and everything should work out fine for Georgia come December, being right where it needs to be in contention for a national championship. Eastots also says not only avoid the chaos, but also avoid any further injuries. That's major. We need to be firing all cylinders, a la the way the LSU was in 2019. It is true, and I think for the most part that's out of your control, but you do have to notice that, that when Georgia made a great run in 2017, it was arguably uncommonly healthy for most of that season. That that's just a huge part of this and it's one of the things that's so frustrating because it feels like you know you're just on guard for bad news at any juncture and and it seems like georgia's had more than its fair share of that maybe at times over the course of the last year last few months but obviously hoping that you get some of that to go coincide with the things that you also can control i think east dot's probably right about that uh monad uh 1022 says as a Packers fan thought you'd like to see Eric Stokes trending on Twitter fans and analysts demanding he start over King he is showing out I love that for Eric Stokes I was saying this to our video audience a little earlier in total candor I had the Monday night game on for most of last night when the score kind of got away I did switch over to the Braves game because I'm a little concerned about that situation at the moment uh so I did switch over to the Braves game against the Diamondbacks plus when I was watching Monday night football you know like my kids can only tolerate me watching so much football before you know they want my full attention um so i did not watch 
the Green Bay Detroit game closely last night. But I am very, very happy to hear Stokes had a good game. That makes me quite, quite happy. And I love the fact that he's finding such a home there at Green Bay. You know, stories like this just don't get better. It's one of the cool things about the job that I do is I do get a chance to know some of these guys just a little bit. Now, listen, I'm not telling you I'm texting back and forth with Eric Stokes. That's what I'm saying. But I've met him a few times. And, man, he just comes across just like the best, most genuine dude in the world. Um, uh, most genuine dude in the world. So I, I think that's all uh, just, just – I just think it's really fun. And I'm very, very happy to see him uh, doing so well. So you want guys like this to succeed. It seems like Georgia's had a lot of these guys as of late. So I just am really happy about that all the way around. Uh, Good stuff there. Uh, Also on the comment section, dognation.com, WCH reaches out to say Kirby's making a huge mistake in defending his decision to insert a quarterback into the game who immediately threw an interception by partially blaming the tight end for the running the shallow route and the next sentence admitting Stetson overthrew the ball. Yeah, I mean – I, I do think that's a little bit weird, too, and I don't want to belabor the point, but it does seem like sometimes Kirby tolerates the blame game in areas involving quarterbacks. This has been true for years in which you got to think that he just wouldn't do that any other other place. It's like, okay, we're going to protect the quarterbacks, for lack of a better phrase, brand with the public, but you know, to hang another player out to dry never seems to make much sense to me there either. I don't think it's a big deal, but I, I have noticed that kind of thing before. Uh, WCH goes on to say, uh, Kirby, what's going on? If you thought that uh, we had to play Stetson, wouldn't make more sense to play him somewhere in the second half? We dog fans want to win our first national championship since 1980, not to have a cancerous quarterback controversy. Coaching this year, as always, will make or break us with Saban or Meyer and, and interrupted the game's rhythm like that. Um, I'd bet not. Well, to be fair, Urban Meyer you know, dealt with his own criticism on this in 2006 when he was kind of talking back and forth between Leak and um, – and uh uh gosh sometimes my brain just fails me i've also been talking now for going on two hours but uh tim tebow is the name i was trying to remember there um but the point is is i think you're largely correct that georgia doesn't have a quarterback controversy the fact that kirby would burn calories in the attempt to make people think that he does i do have to say it's pretty odd now at a certain point I would rather just focus on the better things that are happening for the program and not make the world's biggest deal out of that because I think at a certain point you are allowed to just kind of say it was a it was a mistake, shouldn't have happened, and let's move on from it. But to the extent that WCH lays out the issues there, I think for the most part they're you know fairly correct. It's that Georgia should just be thankful that it has a great starting quarterback, or at least a quarterback that has a chance to be great, and just ride him as much as you possibly can and if Stetson Bennett is your backup given the fact that he's won games against SEC opponents in the past be thankful that you've got that as well one more on the same subject R.H. Batch says stop all the Stetson hate have you forgotten that he saved us against Arkansas last season we led Bam at the half and had a defensive uh, fail in the second half we were up 14 against Florida when he left the game with an injured shoulder we beat Alabama Birmingham soundly Uh, the young man has played his heart out and done a good job for us he truly is DGD I agree with all that there as well. I love Stetson Bennett. You call him a DGD. I think that's absolutely appropriate. Uh, I, I think Georgia would have lost the Arkansas game had Bennett not come in last year. I think he played really very well against Auburn and really very well against Tennessee there too. And as you said, I don't think the Alabama nor Florida losses were his fault. So I'm right there with you on all of that. Um, I think Stetson Bennett is actually kind of an upper-tier backup quarterback for Georgia. To have a backup with this much experience for UGA, I think it's a really good thing. However, like the one thing I just 
firmly believe, though, is, is that if he's your backup, treat him like a backup. You know, inserting him into a situation like that in the first half is not typically how backup quarterbacks are created, or I should say how they're treated. And, you know, the idea that, you know, Smart is is generating this level of attention for the program. Like I said, you know, comment section from yesterday's show, even though that's not the topic we led the show off with or, you know, things like that. Um, you know, the, the fact that you're still getting this many comments on it, I just think it's cultivating an unpleasant conversation when the actual conversation around Georgia football right now ought to be pretty pleasant. Georgia's not perfect, but they're in pretty good shape through three games and no reason to believe that's going to slow down this Saturday either. So I think tomorrow my goal is not to talk much about, you know, who's playing when I don't, I don't think there'll be an obvious reason to do so and hopefully after Saturday's game it seems like a moot point even more so then so good comments on any subject and glad to have your feedback hit me up on Twitter at dog nation daily in the comment section at dognation.com. appreciate you being here for our RS Andrews podcast cool down and appreciate you supporting RS Andrews online at rsandrews.com don't forget to get your air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs get your water heater replaced if you need to do that all those issues RS Andrews is great at coming to your rescue so check them out today rsandrews.com we'll see you back here tomorrow dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to speaking to you then